0: Welcome to Pace Performance Bite Size where we dive into episode 267 with Alex Natera. So in this episode he talks about the when, the how and the why of isometric training. So just before we dive into this episode with Alex I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're like me you're in a situation where you're an organization with limited budget but you wanted to collect solid data and have somewhere to report and visualize it. Rock Daisy have the first, world's first, free AMS in AMS light. So if you want to check that out, head over to rockdaisy.com. Um, so one thing you've mentioned a couple of times is isometrics, and it's something that I think you've become very, very well known for, given the little videos that you've put out, which are great, um, to show some of the stuff that you're doing at the Giants. Just want to give us a bit of your philosophy when it comes to isometrics and then we'll have a little chat around how you actually build that into the the wider program at the at the club.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. I don't, I don't know about very well, very, very well known, but uh, anyway, that, that's fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll that. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, so Run Specific Isometrics is what that system is called and kind of last time I spoke to you, I actually should thank you, Rob, because you were the first one to tease that out of the abyss, which is my my mind. <laughs> so on that very first podcast, I think you were asking about certain things and I did mention isometric training and how I do it and it was just a I don't know, a one minute, two minute spiel about certain things and, and but you were the catalyst to now then make this into more of a system and me to put it down on paper and speak about it more often, present on it and so on. So yeah, I guess it <laughs> it is, but I'll have to credit you first of all for, for getting it out there. So well done, thanks mate. Uh,
0: thanks,
1: mate. <laughs> uh, so so essentially the grounding is this isometric train. Oh, sorry for, for max velocity training Oh, max, max velocity. Uh, yeah. Max velocity training and upright running to be able to provide the right gym stimulus for them. is very difficult. Acceleration was pretty easy to do. To be honest, you were going to do some sort of concentric, Heavy muscle muscular action, some explosive concentric action. You could put people into positions, length tension relationships wise, uh, force output time to apply force. You could do angles, types of muscle action, concentric predominantly, and and you'd be able to apply different general and special and specific strength uh, exercises in the gym for acceleration. But max velocity is always very tough, and it was almost like just get guys strong so they can be stiffer, which was a load of hogwash unless you were. Um, a very you know a beginner um or do, and do you apply metrics do you apply metrics do you specific plyometrics that resembles you know ground contacts and elastic recall and so on and so on but i just felt like there needed to be more that that there, there, there was i needed to have a, a have a step that's just the way i work philosophically that it has to be general there has to be special there has to be specific exercise and they they all link together and i put them together in a certain way depending on the athlete to have transfer that's that's how i function so it wasn't working for me, and then uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess more reading and, and being influenced by um, lots of different people, biomechanists, and I, I understood that, that that actually the the action on the ground in terms of what the muscles are doing is probably more isometric when you're running, and and in, and although that there's a stretch-shortening cycle or or a depression if you like a lowering of the center of mass at mid stance, that lowering was essentially elongation of the tendons and the muscle was functioning predominantly isometric, and then the tendon would recoil and and push you into flight. So it made sense to me then, if I'm looking for something specific, that I'm going to get into that position where forces are at their highest at mid-stance, and I'm going to apply loads isometrically. Now, the the issue was also that there's nothing you could do in the gym that could replicate the forces in upright running or max velocity running. And then I sort of thought, well, hold on, I've I've been – I've trained people in the past, and there's been some good results doing isometric work. And now I'm, you know, looking at the data, and I'm sitting here going, "Well, hold on, there's some guys here who are getting five, five and a half times body weight off a one-leg isometric squat, and they're equal to the loads experienced in max velocity running." And then I look further through the data and have a look at time points. You know, so what happens at 100 milliseconds? And we know that you know around 90 to 100 milliseconds is ground contact time and sprinting. And I'm looking at the data there. I'm oh my gosh, they're hitting about, oh, they hit about 75% of the, the, oh my gosh, there we go. They're able to hit the same forces for the same time in uh, in an isometric push, for example. So then it became a very much, all, all of a sudden we're ticking a lot of boxes here. And then um, I started implementing it from then on. And, um, and then things would be missing. So the first thing was an isometric mid thigh, uh, sorry, an isometric squat in a a mid-stance position, so the angle's appropriate or close enough to mid-stance, knowing that there's probably a a transfer either way in different angles, negative or positive. We started training that, and then it just didn't... It felt like I needed to do more, like it was very knee-dominant, and so then it expanded, and I started looking at plantar flexing in a very similar position, but just essentially plantar flexing with no movement, so you're actively trying to plantar flex, so more of an ankle-dominant exercise, and then more of a hip-dominant exercise where you're lying supine between boxes or on the ground and and you're again pushing into immovable objects. So that essentially formulated the first type of, I guess, um exercise battery around the ankle, the knee, and the hip. And it was called an isometric push. Uh, And then over time, not long actually, I realized that well again, like I can get them to grind. I call it a grind, an isometric push grind, where they ramp up the intensity to a max value. And I said, that's great. That's probably a, a real max force type stimulus, getting them stronger in a really specific position with a really specific muscle action. But what if I want to develop this fast? What if I want rate of force development? So I want them to really crack on and develop as much force as they can in a shorter period of time. So then another variant of the ISO push game, which is more, I call it an ISO push uh, explosive. So there's an ISO push grind, with push explosive doing both of them. And then, it moved on uh, moved on from there and we got went to holds and then switches and then catches and and um, i don't know i don't know how much detail you want me to go into there but um holds is essentially you're you're now holding a weight rather than pushing against an immovable object you're now holding a weight that's trying to push you down and it it really uh, seems to follow neural pathways similar to eccentric muscle actions uh, with the pushes following Neural pathways similar to concentric muscle action. So very, very different action there. And essentially you're starting on, there's two different levels of holds. You start on two legs and you gradually take one leg off and you, you hold that weight for whatever time periods are, are there. It's normally holds are anywhere from 60 to 80% of whatever forces you were producing into the force plate uh, on your on your pushes. Um, there's a dynamic one or an advanced hold where you'll stand bilateral as a starting position then you'll quickly, rapidly take one leg off. So essentially that, that limb that's still on the ground has to develop tension really, really quickly to avoid you dropping with that weight. Remember now you're now holding a weight so it can push you down. Uh, and then you go into switches, which, which then demand a whole new level of, uh, of, of control where you, you essentially have a free limb now. So you're starting on, on one limb and you have a free limb that has to develop its own pre-tension before it comes into contact with the ground. So a really specific and important part of running fast uh, if you don't develop the required level of tension, then again you'll collapse. The weight will push you down a little bit. And then, as an advanced version of that, where you where you never really have a point of contact. Like, sorry, you have two two limbs are in the air at, at for a brief second. So it's it's always just a one contact on the on the on the ground at each time. And then essentially the catches where uh, where you're where, where you're pushing the whole system in the flight and you're landing on on one on one leg. And ultimately, loads determined by the amount of displacement you have and, and the load that you're actually carrying. And really quickly to say the loadings, you know, when you're when you're working at uh, the pushes, you're anywhere from 90 to 100. Um, obviously, if you're if you're considering to do doing explosive pushes, then you're probably only going to be able to have time to get up to about 75% of your max. With holds, you're you're anywhere from sort of 60 to 85% of your 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 output. Uh, with switches. You're around 40 to 60%, and then with catches, you're around 20 to 40% of your of your loadings. All again calculated through uh, your force plate, your output, your big push output at the start of any training block. Um, if you don't have a force plate, really simple. If You imagine getting into an isometric single leg squat position in the right position, the right angles of mid stance. You load your bar up to. I can tell you that um, a very weak a weak person will probably still be able to do three. 0.75 times their body weight. So if you're a 100 kilo bloke, you, you'll need almost 400 kilos on there not to move it. And if you happen to shift it and it starts to get a little bit airborne, then you know that's you can go heavier. So put five kilos on. And if you shift it again, put more. Put five kilos on again. Or if you think you're pretty strong anyway, if you've got a, a double body weight squat anyway, then you would probably be pretty pretty confident to know that you've, you've got a four and a half five times body weight uh, uh, isometric push. So in that case put on four and a half times your body weight straight away and if you don't shift it you might have to take off some until you just get to that area where you're just starting to shift it it's just starting to move off the bars and the stoppers then you know that's your load and then from there you can work out all the corresponding loads off the back
0: of that so you've put some well plenty of stuff online of the 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 kind of isometrics that you do at the giants which is obviously corresponding with some of the description that you've just given us there but anyone that hasn't done isometrics before with their athletes and it may just be a a regurgitation of what you've just said. But well, I'm just conscious that people may, and I'm sure you are, see that and go, oh yeah, let's get that involved in our under sixteen
1: uh, um
0: you know, academy. Like where would someone start with yeah. with isometrics? I'm just conscious that it might get a little bit ahead of ourselves.
1: No, you you're bang on there, Robin. I should I should know better. Um
0: no no no, no no it's it's cool. It's it's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just it yeah, maybe on the beginner end would be would be nice to to hear what yeah. could start. No, absolutely. Look,
1: and and, and I'll I'll it'll, they'll remain nameless at the moment. But i got there's someone I will collaborate with. Elite elite hurdler went to Doha IAAF at the moment. Now she has not moved barely. I think she just moved to switches, but she's been doing a whole heap of pushes and holds, and that was the the, the bulk of her program for the last two years. That's an elite elite hurdler. And it, it, it's helped. It's improved her, her, her speed and her, her ability, her technique, and a whole heap of different things. Now, there's no need to go to switches and catches, and I want to make that really clear. There's no need. If there's so much success in these lower, uh, lower on these, because on these, they're specific, eh? Like, remember, the muscle action is the same and the time to produce force is the same. It's, and the, the position you're in is the same. So it's general in this, in this uh, method. But it's really specific if you wanted to try and put it into a, a gamut of exercises from squatting up to uh, plyometrics or actually running itself. Like it's right up there on the right-hand side of the spectrum. So there's no need to go any further. I should, I should have put that um, at the very front of this. But, uh, look, I think you can go – it's very difficult to push. So understand this. Then if you're going to implement uh, isometrics, it's very – it's not difficult to push, sorry, but it's difficult, the concept of pushing. So, if an athlete's been used to squatting, we as athletes and as, as sportsmen, we're used to an outcome. We, we're used to finishing a lift. Um, we're used to catching a bar. Uh, we're used to jumping a certain height. And we get an outcome. If you don't have an outcome, it's very hard to put everything into it. And even the most well motivated athletes, I've looked at this, like they're going they'll be, they'll be at eighty percent, working as hard as they can, and they're at eighty percent. Oh, mate, god, mate, <laughs> I, I, I measured you three weeks ago, buddy. You're, you're <laughs> Newton's more like you know so it's very hard without an outcome that's why i think some of the best ways is just getting this heavy bar on the on, on a rack and see if you can shift it and then you kind of got a good idea then uh, often but the pushes and the holds i think are the best uh you can you can get a good idea of what hold this should. remember there's no way there's no reason that you have to do I I mentioned 60 to 80% for your holds. There's no reason you have to do 80% holds either if you're beginning and new to isometrics. You can do longer holds. My long in inverted commas is is 10 seconds. Okay, so it's not the 20, 30, 40 seconds uh, we might prescribe in some rehab settings. So long in this method is 10 seconds. So you might do a 60% um, effort with, not 60% effort, 60% of your load with uh, a hold for 10 seconds. And you'll get lots of adaptation out of this. So the adaptations are, Right down from a, a tendon, a morphological adaptation, some potentially architectural changes. There's probably need more research around them. Definitely some changes, big changes, depending on what intent you use. So if you your intent is to grind, is to step up, then you know that more max strength, so the max force will improve. But if your intent is to be really explosive, really high rate of force development, then that's where you'll improve as well. So essentially following the said principles. Uh, so there's 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 adaptations that will occur throughout the whole pathway of isometrics that you're using so uh, for beginners yeah pushes and holds Uh, pushes just mark my word you're not going to get outputs for with novice young athletes that that are warranted unless they're hugely motivated so find out the holds look at the holds see what they can do for 10 seconds if that's not too hard put a bit more load on for 10 seconds if that's starting to get there maybe start leaving the load or just you know, moder- moderately putting load on and, and dropping time down and getting the times down to three to four or five second holds and you'll go a long way by doing that uh, and there's you know once I've got certain KPIs that you need to achieve to, to move on and it's probably another conversation but once once they're quite strong and hold, able to hold you know 80% holds relative to their, their max output so their pushes then they can advance to switches and Hand on heart, there's no real need to get to catches. In fact, I've, I've under ten athletes in my whole since I've been using doing this, and it's ten years now. Under ten athletes, I've actually gone to high intensity catches with. So there's no massive need to rush off the catches. That's for sure, and no massive need to follow this through as like a, a, a preseason training plan to go right. We'll go from pushes to holds to switches to catches. <laughs> and we'll to go the no, 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 there's no need to do it. So there's a lot of success off the first two stages.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Pace Performance bite Size. If you want to check out this full episode with Alex, it is number 267. And you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and all other places that host podcasts.